This is Sparks of Attraction, your modern sex and dating podcast. With your host, Nick Sparks. On today's episode of Sparks of Attraction, I have the pleasure of interviewing a dating coach, a licensed therapist, and the founder and director of Aura Transformation. He is David Tien, PhD. David and I go way back. And like two old friends just catching up for the first time in a while, we just get right into it. We begin by discussing the differences between remote and in-person coaching. But quickly, the discussion turns to the main real core of this interview, which is the difference between the more traditional kind of pickup artist, technique approach to dating coaching versus what David brings, which is the more therapeutic approach to dating coaching. Now, I quickly jump in in defense of my coaching and then ask his opinion on where it falls on this spectrum. Finally, David shares his test for determining whether a guy would get better on straight dating coaching or if a more therapeutic approach would be in his best interest. There's so much amazing content in this episode. I hope you enjoy. Like your, your, the question I was asking was your live business. It really didn't suffer all that much then because you, because Taiwan was still. Open. Oh yeah, no, it suffered uh, completely. We, because uh, I don't uh, market to Taiwan. All of our events were uh, in English speaking countries. So Singapore was the only Asian country where I was doing live in-person events. My events are in London and Toronto and various places in the U S. So all of that got canceled. Well, I'm uh, but, sorry to hear that. I would have been also jealous of you if you had gotten to because I missed that. So I can I can feel your pain. <laughs> Again, it's been a blessing because it's really forced me to focus on the virtual side more. Um, mm. But oh, but man, do I do I miss it? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing that replaces the in-person um, contact. So I've done some Zoom events in the meantime, and when you're not presenting material or there isn't a formal Q and A going on. People just take off like you go 10 minute break and like everyone just leaves <laughs> and you're just looking at empty screens. So yeah. there's there's that. I realize how important that downtime is at an actual event when you're just getting coffee, learn a lot about each other um, during those times. And it's it's kind of lonely because you're you're just like saying stuff into the, the darkness of the camera and uh, you don't see any faces. And then there's a lag uh, when someone types a comment and you got to wait like it takes 10 to 15 seconds for you to see it because it's because of the zoom api so yeah. it's this weird way of interacting with people and this year yeah. i've done i've been doing a psychotherapy trainings as well continuing that and those have been on zoom and it's just completely different and i'm definitely looking forward to to getting the in-person stuff going on again i wanted to ask about about back about the the work because i can relate so hard of how it's just not the the same as having the in-person and I, I didn't even try to run the online workshops because I knew that it just wouldn't be the same. And it wasn't because like this community is great because like the guys can achieve these results in like weeks or like a month or something like that. And that's awesome. And I love it. And it's, it's really been wonderful, but it's not the same thing as seeing that like weekend change seeing like the like the kind of like drastic immediately results you can get in that in-person workshop and i just always i'd love to hear your perspective on why that is the case because i just chalk it up to 
me needing more instant validation and, and uh, <laughs> you know, instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Well, a big part of it is the intensive nature. So it's tough to ask people sitting in a chair on their laptops or on Zoom to sit there for eight hours straight when they're just alone in their room. You know that the person's not really look, looking at you unless they scroll through the screens, you know. And it's there isn't that that peer pressure that would force you to pay attention more. Mm-hmm. I think like a lot, it's a lot easier for people, people to their minds to just drift and to kind of be lazy mentally. It if, it's not easy. Yeah, right. There are times when and during that hour, uh, maybe twenty minutes in, your mind starts to drift, and uh, because everyone's like everyone can see you if you suddenly get up and leave the room. Uh, you kind of force yourself to stay for the extra two minutes and then boom, you're back in, you know, just kind of float out. And, um, and then of course, I've, as I've mentioned, the downtimes in between the formal sessions are huge. That's when people can really just talk and get to know each other and communicate and connect with each other rather than just passively listening and taking notes and, you know, asking a question here or there. Um, but this kind of pedagogy uh, is a whole field on its own, adult education and, uh, and training. And a big part of the advantage of online is you can do little bits and like a two hour chunk here or one hour chunk here and have it ongoing for weeks so that Mm -hmm. you have a more consistent long term growth. Whereas if people fly in, you've got to deliver this intense three, four, five day thing. And then you're hoping that that check in a a month later or whatever would would show that they've been growing since the event. Um, I, I like to combine both, give them a big intensive jolt of momentum, get that takeoff velocity going. And then when they're in cruise control, continue to build on that and make sure that it's that they understand the lo- what long-term growth is like. And it's not just uh, a one-time high, but that there, we're building consistent uh, skills, uh, psychological, emotional skills. I feel like we're doing a great job here of that long-term, week after week, um, stable, like sustained growth. But then it's like part of me just misses those big bursts so much. Part of me, like, it's like I still don't feel satisfied. In the past, what I looked at, how I looked at my work was teaching skills like uh, opening or transitioning or escalation or something like that. And these are skills sort of like in martial arts where you learn um, what to say in response to what she says. And you kind of have these these set pieces that you do. And I still think those are useful. Um, but I that was like the, the focus of the boot camps. And um, that was back in the pickup days when we do infield and you go up to a girl. Like you tell them you do some st- simulations and drills in the seminar room and then you take them out in the real world and they go talk to girls and they try to basically do what you did in the seminar room, but now with a live situation, right? And mm-hmm. in a way, that's like, just like martial arts, you drill a move like in BJJ, and then you tell, the, then, then you go into a spar or rolling, you, you tell the guy to try to resist and your partner, you know, and then you try to see if you can do it on a resisting partner and, and so on. And then you kind of have a freer form uh, role and at the end of the, towards the end of the class and see if you can still do it in that context. And that's how I viewed this dating coaching stuff. <laughs> and over the past several years, I've been moving into psychotherapy, where one of the questions that you sent over, um, I would definitely move them into a, a psychotherapeutic approach, which is where there's there are these anxieties and insecurities that are coming up a lot and that block the person from being relaxed. And in the old days, we just sort of said, just do more approaches or just uh, get these voices out of your head and just focus on the skill. And sort of like if you do the skill or the drill a hundred times, even if you've got in the back of your mind, uh, I'm not good enough, or what you thinking about me or anxiety or whatever, 
you just sort of drown out those voices by just doing this thing you're supposed to be doing a hundred times so you can do it on autopilot. And that's how I learned it. Just lots of repetition. Uh, I moved a lot of cities and countries. <laughs> so, you know, when I mess things up, uh, the people I messed them up with didn't re- aren't even there. So I just like start from scratch. So in a way, it's sort of like playing a video game where you, you get to just start from wherever and you don't have to carry baggage. Um, so that works. But I've found that it, it's hard for most people to do. And part of that is because they don't have a well-developed kind of warrior part of them that just powers through resistance, inner resistance. And instead, they're focusing on the, these uh, limiting beliefs or these self-doubts or these core insecurities, and they can't shake them. And maybe they're not willing to do to you know, crash and burn on 100 approaches before they get that technique right. They're not living in the kind of place where you can go to 20 different bars with uh, you know, 50 different women that you could try this on. And, you know, and uh, you, can, you can have that beginner's period where you suck at it. <laughs> they don't want to go through that, period, that process. And I think a lot of people don't want to go through that anymore. And I, I, I totally understand. And it sucks as a coach to have to try to just drag them through the nightmare of white belts because there's no belts when you get out into the real world, right? She's going to treat you like any other guy. So there's, it's not like, hey, go easy on this guy. He's just starting and trying this thing out, right? So you just throw him in the deep end and it's hard to get through that, that initial period when you're just rolling. It's like a white belt rolling with anybody and it could be a black belt, you know? So it's not going to be a great learning experience for the white belt um, in the sense of he's just in survival mode, right? So as you can see, I have a lot of martial arts on my mind. And instead I've been moving to psychotherapy, which is where we actually go to those parts in that person that are so anxious and nervous and uh, full of these core insecurities and um, looking for their needs of certainty and variety and love and connection and significance and, and even competence from another person and looking for her to make him feel like he's enough and looking to her reaction to tell him whether um, he's a man and he can be proud of himself or be confident uh, because she replied XYZ or she gave me this kiss or something like that. Addressing those parts that are in this kind of needy state because their needs aren't being met because this person hasn't learned how to meet his needs in himself. The beautiful thing is I've discovered there was an old view of self-transformation or personal transformation that I ascribed to, which was, uh, or subscribed to, which was um, there's a negative and positive project. The negative is you undo bad habits and the positive project is you replace them with good habits. And for simple things like learning how to drive, uh, that's true. For deeper psychology, you've been learning, we have been learning bad habits since uh, we were very, very young. And we've been carrying those bad habits with us to the point where we're not even aware of those bad habits anymore. They're just unconscious and we repress them. So that old way of the negative positive project isn't going to work very well. And instead, what I've discovered through the psychotherapeutic approach is that we already have within us this higher self that can be with our unsure, insecure parts that are full of fear or worry or concern. And we already have that capacity within us. And it's a matter of just removing obstacles. So this is sort of like the re- what therapists call the release uh, model, which is where you re- release the confident you already there in you and release the higher self that um, has is full of compassion and connection and care and for your own self already. And it's about move, removing those obstacles. So if there's a skill at all, it's the skill of 
being able to remove the obstacles to finding that that higher self in you and allowing that higher self to take leadership within you. So once you have attained that or you've entered that state or you've attained enough critical mass of that kind of energy inside you, then walking up to a girl and just starting a conversation isn't a big deal at all anymore because um, you're not those obstacles that are getting in the way of the the you that is already confident, um, already relaxed and calm, um, those obstacles have been removed. So now you just be yourself in that way. So the hard part is um, being able to get those the obstacles uh, out of the way. And uh, that that's an analogy. And in terms of brass tacks, what's it really look like? Um, we uh, the way, My preferred approach, uh, which is one of the most empirically uh, verified uh, styles of therapy now, which is IFS therapy. The IFS therapy treats um, us individuals as a conglomeration of parts. And it's like, so you can see this in literature that's like, in the, it's in the Bible, it's in Buddhism, it's like uh, 2000 something years old, uh, it's been around in studies of human psychology since the beginning. And it's sort of, you can see it in the way we talk. Like there's a part of me that wants the ice cream, and there's a part of me that doesn't, you know, so like we kind of already see that in ourselves. And we're just taking that idea seriously as a, ser a set of neural pathways in the brain that can be identified as a part that has its distinct uh, preferences, memories, uh, goals, and even body language and tonality. And then another part, same thing, different neural pathways, different uh, pattern of neural pathways, but also its own personality. And one of the entryways to teaching this or helping somebody understand it themselves is um, teaching them about flow. And I go back into... Chinese philosophy from over 2000 years ago, because I see a, an even deeper, more uh, rich version of flow um, in that literature, which I call the Tao state, which is basically prompting them to think back to those times and of a time when you were unselfconscious about, you know, you weren't thinking, you weren't self-conscious, you were unselfconscious about yourself and how you appeared to others. And everything just flowed. It was like effortless. You were fully uh, present with the other person. Uh, conversation flowed freely. Uh, you weren't second guessing yourself, you're relaxed and just yourself. And time passed just like that. And these are all hallmarks of flow. And then when you look back on the experience, you go, wow, not only was that super enjoyable and pleasant, but I was also like myself and I was charming and, and all that. And that, did, that required no effort besides just entering the state of being unselfconscious. The psychotherapeutic approach is what uh, well, is the best way to help you enter that more consistently. Um, being able to have the parts that are insecure, anxious, um, needy, or focusing on their own insecurities, to have them relax into the leadership of your higher self. And then to go and actually be with those parts and find out what their intentions are for you, um, how long they've been doing this for you, being able to witness that memory from way long ago when it first started, and to help them unburden themselves from carrying those. I, I really, I have to, to ask you this and thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and it's really awesome that you're bringing that work into, into this space. And there's, there was one sentence that you said though, and it's when mm -hmm. you said that the, the therapeutic approach you found is the best way to consistently be in that flow state my work is is not about the therapeutic approach yet it is very much about helping guys consistently 
be in that flow state specifically in social situations, specifically in social and romantic situations. And I very much, I will, anyone on this call will tell you that I'm the biggest champion of therapy, of saying, of saying, hey, it sounds like this is something you should really speak with a professional on. I am not a professional in this area. I say this is where David could keep coaching you and I could not um, because this it would very much benefit you to do exactly what you were talking about and and talk through a lot of those 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 parts of limiting beliefs those parts of yourself that can still be an asshole those parts of yourself that can still carry a lot of shame like kind of releasing a lot of 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 what is is causing that and in therapy is absolutely wonderful it's one of the main as i've said many times it's one of the i credit it so much to my own progress what it's really about is saying, okay, you've got these limiting beliefs and, and when you're in these social situations or whatever situations, it causes you to shut down and, and act in this, in this limiting way. But what my work says is, yes, take the therapeutic approach, but also it's like a crappy coach is just going to go and say, yeah, go approach 50 people and get over your fear. But what we really focus on doing is put yourself in these situations before you even put any pressure on yourself to say anything. First, look at yourself. First, look at what you're feeling. And yeah, maybe you're feeling that way because of all of these things you can talk about in therapy, and that'll be good for you to talk about in therapy. But right now, you're just having this emotional experience, and it's causing all this negative head talk. And what we want to do first and foremost is just get comfortable with those parts of ourselves. And the way that we do that is focus on deep breathing, focus on really leaning in to those those parts of ourselves that can feel painful, that can feel scary, that can feel really lean into that emotional experience, taking deep breaths to, to process them more, getting more comfortable so that when we're the more and more we're hit with those those situations that kind of throw us off, we can catch ourselves, we can take some deep breaths, we can ground ourselves in that moment. And then um, when our emotions call for it, when our instincts, when our feelings call for it, we can express those feelings from this grounded, um, present place and practicing that, not practicing just talking to people in this shitty, disconnected way, but actually practicing first connecting with yourself, um, like, like, like building that connection and then kind of sharing that connection with, with other people. So how does like my work and what I'm doing kind of relate to the whole therapy world, which I also believe in for moving guys in this direction. Yeah, that's well, what you just described is awesome. That's already that would be already considered a therapeutic approach in a way, because it's the at least the, the early stages, in my opinion, of um, a therapeutic approach to somebody who has a lot of social anxiety or is just feeling social anxiety that's keeping him from um, being comfortable in that setting. I've been, uh, I'm level two trained in DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. And those are all to be with what you've just done there, just centering, grounding, um, being with the emotion, turning toward it instead of repressing it. And then um, just reminding yourself into that, the part of you that's um, nervous that it's okay to be that way. And that's awesome. So you're already doing it without knowing it, I guess, that you're taking cool. that therapeutic <laughs> approach. So yeah, the old, I don't know if like, uh, yeah, like the, I remember we did a boot camp. Oh, the last time we did an infield, it was like 2008 or seven. Something like that. And I remember though, I had, that was my old school way of back then. I was just, it was just old, old school stuff, like just brute force, you know, yeah, you mess it up, just try it again. And one of the uh, things I always loved about your work is I felt like we started in such a similar place. We started in very much the same <laughs> 
school of doing this from the from through the social man and everything but then it's like and just from the surface level i i could see your work evolving and changing through the years while mine was kind of taking a, a similar path and just mm -hmm. like but but we were both doing this completely on our own we weren't like exchanging notes <laughs> or anything we both had our complete separate things but they just seemed to to really evolve yeah. in such a similar way yeah well we were on our sort of our own our own hero's journeys and they were going in direction so yeah yeah I, I think what you just described there is a therapeutic approach actually and then um if you have more time with that person um if they have the luxury of going into a therapy room with you and and being able to remove themselves from that situation then um you can be with the part um even deeper the part of them that is uh, there are many different parts that might come up um, in those contexts that are uh, considered limiting beliefs, um, such as uh, let's just take fear of um, that people won't like you. That's an easy one. And there's a part that's afraid that people won't like you. And you can be with that part, have it calm down because you've accessed this higher self. Uh, and a great step is deep breathing and just being more centered and more mindful of where you are and just reminding yourself of truths or facts that help to counteract that. Those are all really awesome, especially in the moment. That's pretty much the best way, thing to do in the moment. Um, but then if you have the luxury of you know, months or weeks, uh, being able to be with that part that feels like um, it's, uh, it won't be respected or that it's afraid of people judging them, you can go back further to when that first started and then be able to unearth the source of it. So unless you do that, you're kind of just getting better at suppressing and ignoring. And then you might get really, like a person might get really, really good at that. And that's what I got. I was really good at that um, as a youngster, like all the way through high school and in my 20s. It's a big achiever thing where, where achievers are really good at just repressing stuff and just getting shit done. And I use that same approach it's the only approach I did know to achieving. <laughs> I used the same approach when it came to pickup. Like I had all kinds of doubts and I even had a technique. But anyway, I, I just teach, used to teach it because that was sort of like that was it, <laughs> which was um, the Mr. Bean method where you got all these the self-talk going on and you just override it with nonsense. So I used to just mm -hmm. I'd have all these other thoughts like who's watching what's mm -hmm. going on. And I just go because I'm imagining what's going on in Mr. Bean. <laughs> so I literally, and sometimes it's those voices are so loud in my head that I have to, in, the, in a loud nightclub, say out loud, like da 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 da. And people think I'm just singing with the song, but I'm, what I'm really doing is crowding out all those other parts of me to just basically shut them up so I can yeah. get on to the approach and escalation and all that. <laughs> and it's the that's same when you're working. Like that's another thing guys use to avoid. Oh, I'll just talk to this girl. Oh, I'll just do mm. this thing. But they're still running away from from that emotional thing inside. That's so Absolutely. scary for them to look at. Yeah, it's, yeah. I guess maybe this is a limiting belief of mine, but I still feel like I can take a guy deep into his emotional place to be <laughs> present and get more comfortable with whatever parts of himself are going on. But then when it comes to actually talking about digging deeper into maybe some of those root causes of it i know that that's where things from a psychological perspective can get very dangerous with an untrained person with somebody who mm -hmm. hasn't gone through the years of of study that it, like that's where mm -hmm. i say i'm no longer comfortable taking a person here because 
I simply do not have the training when it comes into some of those going back into some of those roots. Again, I'll take, and we've had, mm-hmm. again, just through going deeply, looking at the feelings more and more deeply, realizing that there's always more layers to get under. Like we've had rashes of guys recently moving out from, from their parents to chasing career paths that were otherwise a little too scary for them that they were looking away from that they didn't, you know, that kind of stuff. And we get there, but I'm still feeling like, Am I right to think that? Like, is that a smart? Yes. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Sure I didn't think we'd get. I didn't think we'd go here, but absolutely, Nick, you're totally right. And yeah. I wasn't like so. I was the recipient of therapy uh, in 2013, 14. That just completely changed me. It actually, saved me. Yeah. And yeah. it started actually started with just straight up Tony Robbins style life coaching, and o- opening that up to to sort of taking me down from that kind of haughty, like that kind of more intellectually arrogant place of like, oh, Mm -hmm. this is all fluff into, Mm -hmm. oh, these emotions and this tenderness, this vulnerability stuff, this is real, all this baggage, this is real. And then going to full on therapy where it's just, a lot of it's just emotional release of crying into the the grieving for those parts of you that um, are struggling with shame and, and all of that. And you can reopen, wounds or yeah. you can reopen uh, the door to parts that are can be yeah. out of control and yeah. they might end up cutting or uh, become suicidal yeah. and part of the repression is to keep that back so part of the reason people drink and become addicts or something you know is, is to keep all of that back because if they were sober they'd have to face the darkness and the darkness is too scary and out of control so you definitely want to approach that um, from in, in a kind of gradual method, you can you can short circuit it if you have these therapeutic skills, and it's yeah. super dangerous. You can yeah. also re-traumatize somebody because if you have them revisit those traumatic memories without the resources uh, for them to be able to deal with that, um, it, it, you and can make just, it worse. And that's just really not in my nature, to be honest. Like my tendency, mm-hmm. my like. I'm such a coach that my tendency is to keep pushing and pushing, but I know that that is an area where that tendency would serve me horribly, horribly wrong. Mm. And and so like for well, me, I, like, yeah. it, it's I bet there's a part of you that would be good, would enjoy the therapy though. I, I think there is, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, really, I also, I'm really good at getting in there and digging out those things, <laughs> but mm. I can have a tendency of going too far too, too much mm. with it. So I just, better off staying staying at yeah. my level i can do the the tony robbins of of sex and dating or the <laughs> right. without going full-on therapist with it i i see that i mean like I, I i had that issue when i first started um doing just straight therapy that i would be pushing too hard for res- like results coaches are all about results results <laughs> yeah and in therapy if you come in with an agenda like that the parts of the client will armor up and if you if you bypass those uh, shields, which if you're a bright therapist, you, you know how to do that. Um, and then you don't leave the person with resources or if you didn't get permission from the protector parts to do that, they're going to freak out once the session's over. And in between your one week sessions, it's a lot of time. Those are the six days in between the sessions when you're going to get what's called backlash. Protectors or or in IFS, we also call the more extreme parts. These firefighters are going to come in like, holy shit, we let that guy in. I can't believe it. And then they will take it out on the person or or um, just completely shift. So you, it might even look bipolar or you know multiple personality because of how drastic that shift happened uh, you know, in between sessions. Um, so uh, I've even found it very beneficial 
if a client asks um, for us to record the session, because then they can look back on it and they'll realize, oh, three days later, another part of me thought that session went completely different. But now I see it in the recording and, oh, okay, it was actually really good. But different parts of me perceived it differently. And um, it's amazing what the human mind is able to do. All of the guys on this this call who speak with me at, at all regularly will tell you that um, I kind of like pushing a guy to that getting frustrated, like getting, getting angry point on this mm -hmm. level, on the coaching level. I find it to be can be advantageous for helping to shift mindsets. But on a, if you're going to that deep psychological level, I'm going to that deeper level like that tendency just would not serve me well whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. So I have a, a kind of test for which method would work better with a guy. So what I'll do is just say, hey, take the course, take the online course. And almost you know, 95% of their issues will already be addressed in those mm. courses mm. Um, relating to dating and relationships. And if they can't, so some guys can just watch the material and go and do it. And I don't know how many, maybe just whatever, 20% or something, you know, one out of five. And that's already better than what I've seen in, in person where I do a three-day uh, three thing and a uh, three-day seminar. And then mm -hmm. just on, based on the knowledge they got, information they got there from, if they came in with nothing, then and just go out and approach and, approach and just go and do it. Um, I'd say maybe one out of 20 guys uh, without like coaching right there on the on the shoulder, um, maybe one out of twenty just to, with the information can go and do it. Mm -hmm. Now I get clients who pay fifteen to twenty thousand uh, for a year of coaching, um, especially in the past when it was on in dating, and they were super successful guys already, like in terms of uh, finances and all that. And they're so easy because it was just information. Like I literally sit there and give them a boot camp, mm -hmm. just one on one, and. Then they go and do it, and I'm just shocked at how quick they picked it up. And um, it's just part of that kind of a. It's literally there aren't any internal blocks. This guy's literally just missing information, like he didn't know yeah. that yeah. you could do this or that you that do it in this order, <laughs> or you know plan your date like this and it'll be a smoother. Like just information. And there's a minority of guys who just needed the information and they just go and do it. They don't have any internal blocks. And then there's a another subset underneath that which needs some pushing. Maybe, but they pretty much still just need the information and a, a, some feedback on the how-tos. And that might be another 5 to 10%. So the, those guys might make up 20% of it. That's why my online courses are, the, are so detailed. We go 25 to 35 hours in depth on the bigger courses, mm -hmm. like Invincible, which is I would recommend is the best uh, course for guys just starting out, um, trying to get good at casual dating with a view to a relationship. Um, that's a great one. And it's... Uh, almost 35 hours of material and it does have an, uh, a live like there's a facebook group as well that goes along with it um, but it, it's supposed to do the job on its own it, if you go through it in the way i prescribed with the guided meditations written exercises all that and it, re it doesn't require you to go out in the real world and talk to women at all and if a guy goes through the course a whole 35 hours uh, he's going to be able to get uh, a big part of the progress handled there. And then there, the majority of guys that I've worked with in person, and this is how I know that this doesn't work for them, who just freeze or they get, this looks like they're going to pee their pants. Like all the stuff we did in the seminar room, they, they it just goes blank. Or even in the drills, they go blank. 
you know, if they drill it with me and I'm super patient and slow, uh, they'll get it. And then we do it uh, with a partner that they don't know, or they do it in front of other people watching and freeze again. I just decided if there's any degree of this level of core insecurity that's near the surface for these, mm. for their dating lives to get handled, it, it's almost going to re-traumatize them again for them to go do the uh, more practical approach. And let's just let's just start right with the th psychotherapeutic approach and address these as psychotherapeutic problems, not as a knowledge or information problem. Uh, if a guy hasn't, like maybe he, he is short on time and he just wants to be told, look, I got 25 hours, which, what should I do for these 25 hours? Here's the course I've made for you, go and do it. And then if you still need extra help because now your core insecurities are really surfacing and you can't push them down, you can't repress them, um, then let's take the psychotherapeutic approach. It's been working pretty well so far, but again, uh, it, if we could do it in person, that would be the best, obviously. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it just, you know, you perfectly, one, I think you described the, the difference I've seen between the guys who I eventually say, hey, you should probably talk to a professional about this versus the guys who I don't. And two, mm -hmm. I think it just, it explains why you're so good. I actually think it has. And again, I've seen it from afar. I've, I've, I've understood it from this bird's eye, but it's just to see it up close and to understand it from this level, it makes absolute perfect sense. Oh, thank you, Nick. That's really nice of you. My pleasure, man. Like I said, it's... Well, I'm, also, I'm, I'm sure all the guys on this call can attest to that, like Nick, you, you say you're not, uh, your therapy isn't your, your bag, but... Uh, as opposed to all of the other dating coaches I've met over the decades, as, as you, as have you, I think you're very close to your emotions. Like you have a very emotionally grounded and centered and present approach to being with people that I've sensed uh, ever since I first met you back in Ann Arbor. Mm. And, uh, if you ever go down that route, uh, I'd be happy to point you to some resources if you're interested, but I think you'd be great at it. I'm just pointing it out. So I'm, it's not like I'm doing anything special in that regard, even though I do like intellectually, no, um, there is no one else do combining these in the way I am. Um, but I don't mm -hmm. think that I'm the only one who can do it. You know, that, that core of connection, that core of present connection that I've identified fairly on has always been the guiding force in my coaching, how to connect more with that, how to find that, that more with, with people. And then again, I, I think it's, I'm in my right place to not go any deeper because I like going home. <laughs> going aggressively at <laughs> this stuff is just so much in my nature. The main difference between remote coaching and in-person coaching is that the remote coaching is just going to take a little bit longer to get the same kind of results. Now, the difference between the kind of pickup technique-based approach to coaching versus the more therapeutic approach to coaching is that the technique stuff just doesn't work. Um, and the therapeutic side actually does. And fortunately, my coaching happens to, to fall more on the therapeutic side. And David and I both agreed that the biggest difference between a guy that would benefit just from a straight uh, coaching perspective to more of a therapeutic perspective is that if a guy can just take the advice, go out, um, really put it into practice with no problems, see the results, then he's good to go. However, the more and more a guy struggles to, to make these practices a common part of his life, the more he's going to benefit from more of a therapeutic approach. To join the conversation for free, go to sparksofattraction.com.